So I think it's just allowing your child or allowing your, your player to know that, that everyone's journey is their own and that if it's something that you want to do, you'll find a, they'll find a way to do it. You just have to keep instilling that in them and, and teaching them what they could reach and then just giving them the tools, slowly giving them the tools, but not telling them that's how they're supposed to get there. Like just give them the tools and they'll figure out how to, how to pick up on it and how to use them when needed. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey, it's Ashley Engel. Thanks for hanging out with me today on When the Cleats Come Off. And I am so excited to introduce you to somebody new to the podcast. She's not new to many of your eyes, though. If you checked out Athletes Unlimited Softball in the middle of COVID, you may have recognized this really big hitter. She's from Italy. She's so strong. She always swings hard. And her name is Erica Piancastelli. I fell in love with her swing, her attitude, her positive vibes, all of that while watching Athletes Unlimited, and I've continued to follow her career, and maybe you have too. She and I had a really shorter conversation than we wanted because she had to go to her hitting practice, so she had to leave the conversation before we could dive into some more things that we wanted to mention, but we talked so much about hitting and so many other gems on this episode. A little bit more about Erica. She was an absolute standout at McNeese State. Standout, what does that mean? Oh, well, she just leads the Southland Conference in RBIs, home runs, doubles, slugging percentage, and walks, just to name a few things. And she was so incredible in college. She actually turned pro as soon as she ended. She's been a member of Team Italy since she left school and now is a captain for them. She did compete at the Olympics in 2020, which was so much fun to watch. A lot of you probably did that and saw how cool and awesome of a competitor she was. She also, like we mentioned, competed for Athletes Unlimited. Athletes Unlimited is where I was introduced to her and her swing, and I was obsessed with it. And today we get to dive in a little bit more to learn about Erica. Other things we talk about today is what it's like having an Olympian as a mom. Yes, her mom competed in the Olympics and what her mom also taught her. We also learned what her car ride home conversations were like, and I learned a thing or two from that one. She also talks about the importance of body awareness as a hitter. So whether you're a coach, parent, or player, it's really good to understand this element of the swing. And body awareness, if you don't know it, You'll be introduced to it today and how you can help develop your own swing, how to train from home on developing these things and how to find it. We also learned some of her favorite drills, how she's able to lead Team Italy while also being an introvert, 
Yes, you can still be a leader and be an introvert. It's a thing. And then we also talk about the power of manifestation and manifesting your destiny. And we talk about so much more. I'm so excited. And yes, we have already planned to do a part two to go into more of this in depth, but I'm so excited to introduce to you, Erica Piancastelli. Erica, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh, this is going to be fun. I... First of all, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, yes, I'm a Star Wars fan. I totally just nerded out. I came across your swing. And let me tell you, as a hitting coach, as someone who worked really hard to have a swing just like yours, kind of, it's like I saw your swing and was just like, oh my God, who is this girl? And why am I just realizing who she is? This was like four years ago, by the way. But I'm just like in awe of how you play the game. You play with so much respect. You're, you play for Team Italy. You're an Olympian. There's just like so many avenues I want to go with you today on this podcast. But before we do it, I'd love for you to just share your softball story, like your journey of where, where you began because you weren't even born in this country. I mean, there's a lot to kind of unpack there. So can you just guide us through however long you want to take on your journey, but Erica Piancastelli's journey through softball? Yeah, so to start, even before I was born, my dad played baseball in Italy up until AAA, and my mom played on the national team. So she went to the 2000 um, Olympics in Sydney. So at first, when you hear that, everyone's like, okay, it was in in her family, like it's in her blood, like she was meant to play softball, which I feel like I was, but it's not how I started. I never started playing softball wasn't my first sport like I didn't because I had those parents I don't think I wanted I wanted to like try different sports they wanted me to try different sports they didn't want to force softball or baseball on me so I tried everything I tried volleyball I tried softball um swimming gymnastics basketball pretty much everything I think I even tried tennis but none of it had that fire like none of it lit up that fire in me to like want to keep practicing or even motivates me to even go to practice so I was seven. We actually moved from Italy when I was five. So I I pretty much grew up in America. But when I was seven, I went up to my parents, me and my sister went up to my parents. We were like, okay, well, we tried everything. Obviously we're not enjoying it. So let's just try softball. And my parents were my first coach because they they were so excited. Once we said we wanted to play softball, they got everything ready, (laughs) the team ready. That's cool. So yeah, I started rec ball when I was seven with my parents coaching me. And then that's pretty much where it all started. I was just, I've met all my friends there. I was young. So all my friends growing up, I was at rec ball. We had um, rec ball when I played was like a fair, like you would go and there was like games to play outside of the softball field. There was food, there was barbecue. Like it was like a whole event every weekend. And then I look at how rec ball is now and it's completely different. It makes me really sad because I like looked forward to rec ball, like all-star teams and opening day and all of that. That's how it should be. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a bummer, like, looking back now to how rec ball is. But going into rec ball, I wanted to be more competitive. So I joined a travel ball team at the age of 12. It was both the travel ball teams I was on, they ended up not being teams anymore. But at the time, it was where all my friends were playing. And it was just high level. I mean, it was San Diego County. So I feel like a lot of travel ball teams in San Diego are just very strong teams. So I started travel ball, went to tournaments every weekend, traveled everywhere, went to Colorado, Florida, pretty much was just 
playing softball all the time and I was having the best time. I mean, I'm not really someone that focused on going to school dances or football games and all that, like in middle school and high school. So I was very happy to just play softball and all my friends, like I said, were softball players. So I wasn't really, I didn't feel like I was missing out on a lot. And then I got recruited the summer going into my junior year of high school at the Colorado tournament, the big sparkler tournament. I got recruited by McNeese to go play a full ride to go play at McNeese when I graduated. And at first I was like, McNeese, like, where is that? What mm-hmm. never heard mm-hmm. of McNeese. But he also, the coach that recruited me gave me and three other teammates scholarships from my travel team. So wow. I think that was like the biggest, like, cue for me to go was like okay you're going away from home but you're going with three other teammates so I, f- I felt more comfortable so we mm-hmm. looked up I remember that day like we go back to the hotel we're like looking up McNeese like where is this like where, what are we getting <laughs> into um we went on an unofficial and I just fell in love with the program I fell in love with the small town feel I think it was the perfect size for me I mean I don't know how it would have been at a bigger school I think I'm very like I'm introvert like I keep my circle small but like I like being around them all the time so being able to be at a small town um the community behind a small town school is huge like I don't know if you went to a small school or we're we're in a small town but they are dedicated to their sports and they are so consistent so like they're just Mm -hmm. like my second family Mm -hmm. throughout my whole four years they have always been there they support me now and I've been four years out of college and they're still watching my games they're still supporting me with the national team in the Olympics so it was just my second home away from home. And the program at McNeese is they not only want you to be a good softball player and be able to achieve things with softball, but they also prioritize life outside of softball and just being a good person, being a good woman. And just these, they give you skills to have outside of the softball field, which I think is a huge, huge reason to how I am today and my mindset in while I play today. But yeah, I went to McNeese, best four years of my life. Six, I had a lot of success there, a lot of accolades. But besides that, it's just, I think, where I've grown so much. And my game grew a lot. Um, the love of the game grew even more playing at McNeese. And I just skipped like four, I feel like I skipped four levels playing. Like the, the player I was in travel ball compared to the player I was after my freshman year is like two whole different people. Like I, my mindset was a whole 360, like it changed completely. And then I joined the national team at the, um, in 2014, I joined the junior national team, played one, played two years on the junior team. And then while I was on the junior team, I also played for the senior team. So the actual national team in 2015. And then when I was out of the age group for the junior team, I just was on the senior team full time. And then in 2017, I became the captain of the national team, which was super, super big for me. I mean, kind of out of my comfort zone, just because, like I said, I'm introvert. (laughs) I don't like speaking. I don't like um, being the center of attention. But I also knew that there was other ways for me to be a leader on the team and, and to be able to be a captain. So I'm very like everybody like what there is to do like I put my work in everybody puts their work in I I lead by example um, and I just like being a motivation for the team I think uh, I have a different mindset compared to a lot of players in Italy just because I did um, grow up in the states I went to school in the states I played college ball which just playing college will change your mindset already 
So I was yeah. able to handle those pressure situations. So I think that's also a big reason why he picked me to be the team captain is just because I had a different mindset, a different view of things. So I was super excited to be able to share that with the team. And then, yeah, just continue to play on the national team, won a lot of European championships with them. Um, we qualified in 2019. We won the European Championship in 2019, and then two weeks later, we also qualified for the Olympics. So that was like a huge year for us. And then went to the 2020 slash 2021 Olympics uh, with Team Italy and started AU in 2020 as well. So Athletes Unlimited was... So like what I was saying about college, how that opened up like my mind and like changed me completely i think au was like my second phase au has changed me so much <laughs> more that's cool so it's just it's cool to see the different steps you take in your softball career and, and see like how you're constantly changing like you've never really gotten to the finish line you just constantly are changing constantly growing and i think my journey is like a huge show of that is just everything that comes your way just finding ways to like adapt and change to it so that's about it. That's my that's my softball journey. Uh, I playing. love it. Yeah, still playing. Gonna, I love it. Gonna play until my body gives out, probably. But I was gonna say, I think the reason that you keep seeing the growth is probably why you're still in it. Because you're like, how much better can I get? Mm -hmm. I recently heard a quote that the most respect you can give the game is by staying in it as long as you can and doing it as long as your body will let you. So you're doing you're doing the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> love and it. like just. The game is like constantly changing. It's constantly adapting. Like the level of college ball now compared to even oh, when yeah. I was playing four years ago is insane. <laughs> like the players are just constantly growing. So you have to be able to grow if you want to keep playing. I mean, I think that's what's so cool about it is just like there's always a way to get better and there's always a way to learn new things, even from players that are younger than you and players that are older than you. There's always something that you can learn through the game whether it's on the field or off the field, there's always something something out there. So It's amazing. I love it. So let's go all the way back to when you said your parents were your first coaches because there's a lot of parents and coaches that listen to this podcast and they want to learn how they can be better for their athletes. <clears throat> and I think a prime example of great coaching, I'm guessing, is obviously your parents because I attest a lot of my skills to my parents and I'm sure you do as well. So what are a few things that they did that kind of stood out to you that helped you grow to where you are right now? The biggest, biggest thing was they didn't force it. You would mm. think having two parents that, that were in the, on the diamond their whole life, like they would force it on us. But I think that was their smartest and the best decision they've ever made is to not force us to play softball just because they did. A lot of times I see players only playing because it's it's their parents' dream or it's what the, their parents want them to do mm -hmm. or their parents get through the cycle of we've already spent so much money, so much time, so they start yeah. forcing it. I think my parents did a great job to just keeping it fun um, and also showing me the growth through it. So not just keeping it fun where it doesn't matter, you're just having a fun time, but like they would push me in a fun way. They would try to show me like what could be next and, and tell me how to get there, but then allow me to kind of go my own speed. And they're just huge motivational people for me. Like they, they support me through anything. I always hear about the car, the car ride home, like the talk yeah. to their parents and the car ride home. And I'm like very thankful I didn't really experience that. My parents just, 
I think because they were players, they just knew where to set the line, where to set the boundaries. They would let me go, go to them if I wanted to talk about softball or if I want to talk about what happened. They mm. never wanted, they didn't start the conversation. They just always made sure to let me know that they were there if I wanted to talk to them. And growing up, that allowed me to start the conversation. So if I had a bad game and I wanted to talk about it, then I would initiate the conversation on the ride home. But if they, if I didn't want to talk about it and they knew I didn't want to talk about it, like that's it. We, we changed topics and um, they just allowed me to talk about things when I was ready. But yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to talk about this because I'm not a parent, so I don't know. Or I'm not a coach right now, so I don't really know how I would feel in that situation. Cause you want, you want the, you want to see them succeed. You want to push them, but you also don't want to push them too hard. So I think yeah. it's just, allowing your child or allowing your, your player to know that, that everyone's journey is their own and that if it's something that you want to do, you'll find a, they'll find a way to do it. You just have to keep instilling that in them and, and teaching them what they could reach and then just giving them the tools, slowly giving them the tools, but not telling them that's how they're supposed to get there. Like just give them the tools and they'll figure out how to, how to pick up on it and how to use them when needed. That's so good. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening like, oh my gosh, like maybe I have, you know, pushed my athlete a little too hard, or maybe I never let them start the conversation. I think that's such good insight. So I'm guessing your mom took a similar approach when you were headed to the Olympics because she was an Olympian. She's been there. Did, did you go to her? Was it kind of like, she's giving you some insight before you asked for it? Or, or were, were you just asking all the questions? Same thing. I was, I would go to her. She also knows that the game has changed in 20 years. So yeah, she can, I would, the main questions I would ask her was just her experiences. Like what, what am I going to expect when I get there? Like, what did you guys do? Or, Cause training wise, I feel like it's completely different now how they would train and how we would train. The pressure though is always there. So I would always ask questions about um, her emotions, kind of like how, how her experience was, also just fangirl questions like what was Olympic Village like? Like what did you guys do? <laughs> Opening ceremony. Yeah. But she also knew that when we would talk about it, like I like I said, I would start the conversation. And then once the conversation was started, she would say her part. I think we have so much respect for each other as players that I always would try to take in what my mom said. And then she would always she's also learning from me. So I think just kind of having that relationship with both my mom and dad has been able, has been a really good balance between my whole career is just, they know that if I want it bad enough, I'll do it. They just have to sometimes maybe say like the key word of like, Hey, you're slacking a little bit mm -hmm. without like forcing it. Like, Hey, you should maybe go hit right now. Like they kind of already knew the lingo that I needed. Cause I'm like the type of person, if you tell me I have to do something, I probably won't do it. Like if you tell me mm. I have to, um, do this or I won't get better. Like it's almost going to unmotivate me because it's more of like a chore. Like I have to do it rather than, Hey, just know like if you do this, you will get here, do it at your own pace. Like I'll be able to like figure that out on my own. That's awesome. Okay. So what are the tips to handle the nerves when you're competing on the highest level stage ever at the Olympics? What, what advice did she give you? Take it all in. She said the yeah. biggest thing was take it all in. Um, don't let the game get too fast don't let the experience get too fast. It's short. Like we only had a week at the Olympic village. So she said, take it all in when you can and just kind of like breathe throughout the whole thing. Like you'll catch yourselves holding your breath. Like even when we were watching the stadium, like looking around, like I caught myself kind of like in awe of everything and just having to breathe through everything and be able to like slow everything down. 
which helps also in the game. Like when you're able to slow down your emotions and slow down your breathing in the game, you'll be able to do that as well. So I think she just, um, I've always been someone to keep it simple. Like I, my mindset is always keeping it simple. Like when I go hit, it's see ball, hit ball. I don't try to get big. I don't try to overthink things or think of like a huge quote that I need to motivate myself. So in the game, it's always just trying to keep it simple, thinking about the present moment. So the pitch that's coming, not three pitches down or um, two innings later. So for me, the biggest thing was just staying in the moment and, and slowing my breathing down was the biggest thing. Mm, that's so good. My dog has entered the chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And so totally bringing up a high school teammate of mine. We competed against each other in the Big Ten. We also competed against each other in pro. But Andrea Filler, who I really need to have on the podcast, like help me out with that. I, I know you have very similar schedules being on the national team and competing, but what was that like having to play with a bunch of people who maybe some you knew really well and some you didn't really know as well? Like, how were you able to come together and still be able to compete and really showcase yourselves at the Olympics? So that's um, that's probably like the hardest thing, I think, especially on a national team is you want to have that bond. Our national team, especially like the players that have been playing together for a long time, we have a very strong bond. Like we're, we call each other sisters. Like we, you can tell that we're very close. As a captain, I think I also had to take in consideration of the outside people coming in, how they would feel if we didn't let them in or how the girls that have been on the team, how they feel when a new person's coming in. So I think that like my role was to just kind of see both sides and then figure out like the end goal. So even though I haven't played with people for so long, like we all have the same goal. We all wanted to go to the Olympics. We all wanted to, to play our best at the Olympics. Like we all have a certain goal. So I think if you're able to just take the differences aside and take the experience that you guys had together aside and just focus on that one goal, it makes things so much easier. So with the national team, that's just what you have to do. People are constantly going in and out especially when it's the Olympics, especially when you're playing at the highest level, you want the best team possible. And sometimes to get the best team possible, you have to get new players. And so I think just changing that mindset to no matter who this person is, no matter if this team has been together for a long time or not, go back to that one goal. And for us, it was the Olympics. It was qualifying. It was winning a European championship, whatever it was that allowed us to create that bond on the field at practice and in between the lines is like, okay, we all are working towards the same thing. So we can't think about differences. We can't think about um, whether we know each other or not. We just have to kind of find a way to get to that goal. Especially in college. I mean, they're the months going through the most change. There's people going in and out every year. There's the travel portal. Like you're constantly having new players on the team. Um, and so you have to kind of make that adjustment fast. You can't expect to play with them three years and then make that bond or, or create that bond. You have to be able to make that happen quick. So just thinking about, I think, the end goal, thinking about something that you guys all have in common is going to allow you to do that. Love it. Love it so much. It is time for another listener shout out. So this one today is gonna to remain anonymous because it was sent to me via Facebook and it wasn't a public review. So I just wanna keep it anonymous, but it just made my heart smile and I wanted to share it with you. It says, 
Thanks for responding and sharing some ideas. Also, I just wanted to let you know, I really enjoy listening to the podcast. As a parent of athletes and as a coach, I have definitely gained a lot of knowledge and insight into the game. It's a perfect combination of talk about skills and the mental side. Thanks again. Ironically, last week we talked about a mental skills episode with Katie Cheadle, and we have many other people talking about the psychology of sport and the mental side. Even my old sports psychologist, Dr. Carr, has been on. So if you are interested in learning more about the mental game, or you're just loving all of the skills that we're learning in today's episode with Erica Piancastelli, please let me know in a review what parts you enjoy the most. The more people that write reviews, the more I'm able to kind of tailor most of these episodes to be what you want them to be. So thank you so much to this anonymous review that was left to me on Facebook. If you want to leave a review and maybe be a potential shout out for the podcast, go ahead to Apple Podcasts and write a review. It can take you 30 seconds, a minute, but it truly means the world to me and helps this podcast grow to more listeners. All right, let's head back into this episode with Erica Piancastelli. Okay, let's start talking about hitting because I nerd out about hitting and I know you do the same thing. Okay, and again, arguably one of the most beautiful swings ever, but you and I both know having a pretty swing doesn't isn't enough. Like you have to be able to have the mindset, the confidence behind the swing in order to be successful. But take me through your journey of like learning how to how to hit. I know obviously you had great parents who helped you out with it. Your dad, I believe, works for Blast Motion, so I don't know if that was like a thing when you st- when you were playing, but I know the science behind it is something you enjoy talking about. So take me through that journey of being able to hit and now do it at the highest level. The one thing my parents did a great job of instilling in me when I was young and when I first learned how to swing was to always swing hard. So they instilled an explosive swing from the get-go. Like They're like, I don't care if you swing or miss. Whatever you do, you need to swing hard. So I mm-hmm. think... Doing that from a young age is what has allowed me to have the swing that I have today. I just let my body do what it naturally does. And that's because I was able to swing hard when I was younger. A lot of times now people try to get super mechanical at a young age and they don't let their bodies do what they naturally know how to do. And like a swing, Mm -hmm. if you look at it, when a swing looks smooth, when a swing looks, when you look at a good swing, it looks effortless. Like it's like your body just knows what it's doing. And that for me came from swinging hard and letting my body just figure it out when I was younger. Um, I didn't start getting mechanical until college. So I think for me, it was just as my body changed, I was just swinging, swinging hard, letting my body kind of figure it out on its own. Um, And then when I got to college and I learned the leg kick, it got a little bit more mechanical to it. Um, As we know, the leg kick, I mean, it's a lot of movement, (laughs) a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, But that's when the mindset clicks in because... The leg kick, for me, it's 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 a timing mechanism. It's a power mechanism. It's a lot of different aspects. It's not just a look. There's a purpose behind my leg kick. And the mindset that as I was learning the leg kick, I was also learning the mindset of college. And I think that helped me get through all those obstacles. Because, I mean, the leg kick, it took me, I think, a good solid year to get down while I was in college. The fall of me learning the leg kick, I was hitting under um 100 (laughs) like Mm -hmm. going into my first season i was hitting a buck 50 it didn't click until maybe like a like three-fourths of the way through first like my first freshman year season so i think the mindset of trusting myself trusting the process not letting something i believe in 
go to waste because of the results is what allowed me to get to where I am. My, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I keep it simple. So I'm not someone that like, I'll break down my swing, but it's all about feel. So I don't, um, I don't look at a lot of metrics unless I'm working on specific like exit velo or something like that. But I'm a very big, I'm very big on feel and I can feel, I mean, I've been playing for so many years now. I can feel when my body's doing a movement that it shouldn't be doing or when my swing is not getting in the right spot. I've learned to be able to have body awareness throughout my career. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest tool I have right now is how like making my own adjustments without a coach, without a trainer, without always being with my team because of me feeling my, my body movement and feeling my swing. I'm a, I'm a student of the game still. So I like everything that I try to learn, everything I'm a visual person as well. So when I look at swings online, just trying to figure out the feel of it more than anything allows me to just put it into action and and be able to, to feel my way through. Wow. I love that you shared that you were hitting a buck 50, like when you started the leg kick, because I think when people implement new things that are going to work, they don't work in a second, right? Like, I mean, you had to go through probably a lot of downs to figure out like, how am I going to make this work? Because I think with the momentum piece of the leg kick, it does wonders for your swing. And I think a lot of people that are trying to implement something new, they want the results tomorrow, when in reality, it takes so many reps and especially in-game reps like you got to take for it to start clicking. And then you ended up hitting like 400 to end your career. So it's like, it takes time. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And I'm glad you talk about feel because I don't think it's talked about enough. I think you're right. Like there's so many mechanics out there. I try not to throw so many drills out there to where people are like confused because I think some drills work best for certain people. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you, you probably have like your two or three drills that like every day you're doing, I'm sure. And, and I'm like, sure those you... drills like don't work for other people. So it's like, yeah. 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 Are your drills that you work on a lot? Is it more timing based or do you do like extension drill was my bread and butter when I was, when I was playing, do you have like some favorites? I do wide stance, my wide stance, or I call it five mm. degree. I love that's like my warm up drill because that's just the one where I really, really feel my lower half work, feel my sequence kind of getting together. I don't really mm-hmm. do a lot of time. The only timing exercise I do is just some front toss, just because I feel like my timing right now is very like I'm, I'm an expert, not an expert on my timing, but like I, it, t- it doesn't take long for me to be able to like let yeah. the ball travel. So it's more of like a feel like, how do I feel today? Like, is my lower half working based off of the wide stance? Then I'll, based off how I feel, I like doing the one, two, three. So I break down my, my swing, just making sure that I'm hitting every feel. Like I, I feel like I'm, my body's in the right spots in every phase of my swing. And then I just do some front toss and kind of like let it loose. Um, I also, because of my mindset, like I also know that there's some days that it just won't work. <laughs> there's some days like your body's just not it. It's not doing it today. Your swing's not, not working today, but it doesn't mean that because it didn't work today, you have to change everything up. So yeah, um, like, like you said, in college, I, I, ha- I had that struggle or I, it didn't, my results didn't happen right away, but it's still, it's still to that day right now. Like my swing is constantly changing. My leg kick doesn't look like the way it did in college anymore. I'm constantly making adjustments. Like I said, the, the game gets faster and the game gets stronger. So I have to find a way to, to meet that level or even get higher. So in college, I was hitting a buck fifty in the beginning, but even now, when I make 
certain adjustments, like I'm going to go through that process again where it's not going to happen right away. But because I think I've gone through it in college, I understand like, okay, it might take three weeks for me to get back into it. Um, especially after an off season, like when I take a couple months off uh, to let my body like readjust, the first month back isn't pretty, but I, yeah. I know that that's part of the process, part of me coming back and, and getting my body back into routine and getting my swing back into action. So it's just trial and error for me most mm-hmm. of the time. It's a lot of trial and error and, and trusting, trusting myself. That's so good. Your swing is your signature. I mean, I think that's everybody has their own swing. Everybody shouldn't try to be and look like somebody else. Like if somebody were to like, look at your swing and be like, I'm going to do that. Like that would take literally years to figure out, like to get it right. You know? And I think there's so many things we can learn from other people's swings, but like the goal is to get better with your own. The goal is to try new things to like push it, but also like realize what works best for you. So I love that you broke it down that way. I can't believe this interview is almost over. Like I want this to go on for like days, but you have work to do. You got right now you're in Arizona training, correct? Yeah. Yes. There's so many things that you're up to. So where can people find you on social? Cause I'm sure people are going to fall in love with you after this interview to keep following your journey and the fun hitting vid- videos that you post as well. Um, where can people find you? All my socials pretty, pretty much the same. It's U R K A underscore 20. Erka underscore train is what people call me. My <laughs> Twitter is the same. It just has an extra U or you just type in my name. But yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram, especially. I, I like posting raw content. Like I like <laughs> I like posting bloopers a lot. I like posting like the errors and the failures a lot more than my successes just because that's like part of my journey. I'm very transparent. I don't like keeping it perfect every single time. And with Riser too, we're creating content for the app and the fun part is i think because we're all four olympians and we've been through like this journey is like we know it's not always perfect so like even in our videos like we're not here to show perfect swings every single time like it's okay if you hit the t i hit the t continuously (laughs) throughout my journey even now i'm hitting the t sometimes so it's like kind of embracing that part and just keeping it transparent for players to understand that you don't have to be perfect hundred percent of the time to be an Olympian. You don't have to be, you don't have to strive for perfection and have a perfect swing every single day in order to be successful. So that's pretty much what my, my social media is, is just trying to keep it raw for everybody and show the good and then also show the off days and, and make sure that that's part of the journey as well. Epic. I will make sure to tag and put all of your links on where to follow you and Riser as well. I think what you're doing is awesome, you and that crew. But before I let you go, can we answer a quick little five to thrive QA? You ready for this? I'm excited for this. By the way, follow her for like positivity and manifestation practices. Like I wanted to dive into that today, but we'll just have to do that another time. But like I was gonna say, when it comes down to just like having a positive attitude and good vibes, like you are all about it. So <laughs> everybody, go follow I'm Erica for all for that. that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, first question I have for you: Your biggest role model growing up, and why? My mom. Uh, my mom is my biggest role model. Just seeing like her journey. She, I mean, she was an Olympian, so um, I think she just did everything that I've wanted to do growing up so i just thought okay let me just follow her footsteps kind of put my little spin on it but she's definitely been my biggest role model and my biggest supporter throughout my whole journey amazing uh number two what is your definition of manifestation uh manifestation is real first of all 
uh, <laughs> that's like my my thing. But manifestation is like when you want something, when you believe in something, like saying it out loud, believing it while you say it out loud, like that's manifestation. Like the more you believe in something, the more you put it out in the air. It's just kind of like a, it holds you accountable to putting in the work. So, I mm-hmm. mean, the more I say, like, I want to become an Olympian, I want to become an Olympian, I say it out loud, I say it out loud, like my brain connects to it. And then that's like my focus is like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to become. And so I manifest it. Uh, I manifest, it could go with works. It could go with like job opportunities. It could go with trying to get in the right path. Like just make sure you believe it, you believe in it. And when you say it out loud, um, that's the biggest thing in manifestation. We don't have time for it today, but my favorite manifestation was when you were mic'd up and called that. Um, like, that is you guys that not the come definition of manifestation? Like, there's no way that would literally. Happen. You spoke it into existence, and y'all figured it out. It was so I cool. Wish, I will I, make sure to share that. I wish they would have gotten like the actual like part of me saying in the mic. Like, I actually said. I know. I, I said exactly what happened in the mic, and then they just showed the part where like I, I said in the mic, and I just ran, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I believed it. The whole team believed it. So it happens. That's so cool. I love it. I will make sure to tag that in the show notes for anybody that's like, what the heck are they talking about? Because it was like, it gave me goosebumps. All right. Who or what was the most important thing that your parents taught you? Like a certain lesson growing up? Taught me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. my, my parents are awesome. But I think the biggest thing is just like believing in myself and not not allowing like outside people to kind of affect where, where I want to get to. I think growing up, like especially in Italy where softball isn't a big thing, like they knew the struggle it was going to be, whether I was in Italy or not, but just like the struggle with this sport in general, softball. I mean, it's not existent in Italy. Like it's barely existent in Italy, but like even in the States, like it's well known, but it's still hard. Like it's still not, not at the level where it should be at for, for professionals, especially. So I think just, believing in myself through everything and, and knowing that like if I believe in myself and I believe in the work that I'm putting in like it's it's gonna happen and not letting the outside noise and the people that like don't see your vision um bring you down love it what's your favorite Italian meal oh that's hard <laughs> any pasta or pizza or ice cream <laughs> oh my god I have to say like 12 minutes from here is this like Italian place that everything every ingredient they put in their pizza is from Italy like and I'm and I've been to Rome before and I've had your pizza and I'm like this is the closest thing ever so if you're ever randomly in Goshen Indiana let me know <laughs> I strive to find places that like kind of match, it. match it in Italy I'm yeah. like oh this is good yeah oh my gosh yeah okay so you're invited whenever you want to come <laughs> Before I ask you this last question, I just want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing a little bit of your story. I know we have to have you back on in the future to talk about all the other things with manifestation and positivity, but you are shining a light in this game, and I just want to thank you thank so much. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs> all right. Last question. What advice would you want to give to a young athlete who wants to be an Olympian? To be an Olympian, find the fun in in the, in the game fall back in love with the game i think through especially being an olympian get into the highest level it's gonna get tough it's gonna get tough you're gonna go through some rough patches it's gonna you're gonna feel like you're alone at times especially when you're out of college and you're back to training on your own so just finding ways to fall back in love with the game finding ways to not don't make it a job don't make it a chore make it something that you love again um i think that's been my biggest thing is like through the tough times like let me take a break 
and go back to like, why, why do I play the sport? Why do I love the sport? The saying of like, go back to that seven-year-old that started playing, kind of go back to that and like, look, look at your journey, look at everything that you've been through and, and realize like, you're, you're very lucky to be playing this sport and to be going um, through the stuff that you're going through. So um, I always just try to find ways to just fall back in love with the game and making sure that that's my purpose is I play because I love it, not I play because it's a job. I just try to distinguish those two things and just go back to that. It's so good. Well, play, like Kat Osterman said, play until your body breaks down. Exactly. I'm here for it. We are all following you. Thank you again for coming on. Thank and you. This is a blast. Awesome. Part two coming up. <laughs> yes. So there you have it. Another episode of When the Cleats Come Off is completed. And if you loved it, I would love if you shared this with your softball community. The only way this game grows is if we have people like you that are eager to learn more and are eager to also share that new knowledge with other people. So if this episode really brought somebody that you know into fruition in your brain and you know that they can learn from this conversation, I would love it if you shared it with them because the more people that can learn from this type of conversation, I think the better the game of softball gets. And who knows, maybe this will be shared with other people in other sports because I truly believe some of these conversations, they don't just hit the game of softball, they hit all sports. And if there are people that come to your brain, I would love more than anything if you shared it. If you do share it, make sure you tag me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social platform you hang out on, I would love to see that you're sharing this. And I would love to see some of your favorite parts. If you do share it, make sure to tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guys, I'm even on TikTok, Ashley B Training, and at Smashly underscore four is where you can find me. And make sure you tell me which part was your favorite. I want to know what resonated with you so that I can create more content like that for you to share with your softball community. I can't wait to share another episode with you. Same time, same place next week. See you later.